Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I have very fun conversation with guests. I have an awesome guest today, um, one of the hosts of the Suit Up Geeks Podcast, and that is Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing, bud? Yo, what's going on, Adam? What's going on, guys? Uh, super pleasure being here. Uh, excited to get into like one of my favorite movies of all time, as you know. Absolutely. Uh, so this is going to be kind of a cool a conversation piece we're gonna have a your we're gonna talk your film journey in a little bit but also we're gonna uh, uh, review on our journey with edgar wright leading up to his new film the last night in saho we're gonna talk about hot fuzz today from 2007 one of your favorite movies i hear yes it is absolutely uh so can you tell the people at home if they never heard your podcast before what what's the suit up geeks podcast and who's kind of in uh who's all what's your team like over there but um yeah dude you guys obviously know i'm uh, one of the hosts on the podcast we've got my awesome other co-host uh deebs we're the two that really run it at the end of the day when it comes to hosting um but then we also got our man loretto and aj man they're just four awesome guys between the four of us all distinct movie knowledge and yeah dude it was originally loretto and deebs on a podcast and then me and aj on a podcast and uh deebs just came to me one day and was just like hey man you want to put your pod you want to put podcasts together i'm like yeah sure fuck it I, I was too lazy at doing it by myself so i'm just like i'll do it with a bunch of cool dudes you know what i mean yeah, absolutely. How did you guys uh, meet each other? Because I know I didn't know, actually know the two podcast things. So, uh, how did you guys kind of did you guys know each other, or were you guys friends beforehand, or what? What's what was the deal so? Um, th this is like the rabbit hole story of how we met because it, it's just <laughs> super long. So I don't know if you know the website Geeks Vibes Nation at okay. all. No, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Let me take a look. Yeah. At it. So me and AJ first met together on that website back in like 2018. I want to say maybe 2019 um, me and him did a podcast on that website, uh, top 10 Sundays, something like that back then. It's something different now Then me and him just like kind of drifted away because we were doing just life stuff. We wrote for the website. Um, I started doing my own podcast called the geek fix mm -hmm. uh, by myself. Then I just got held up with life. Uh, stopped posting on there. And then AJ came to me. He's like, yo, man, do you want to start the Geek Fix podcast again? Uh, do you guys, do you want to be like a co-host together? I'm like, yeah, sure, man. I just need someone to give me that extra push to like officially do it every single week because I'd get lazy by myself doing it. Yeah. And then me and him just started doing our episodes after a while. Then me and him became a part of Movies Matrix. And then that's where we met Loretto. Because Deebs originally wasn't in Movies Matrix when we got there. Okay. Yeah, so we I met Loretto first through Movies Matrix, but me and AJ came in together knowing each other. Then we met Loretto, and Loretto introduced us to Deebs because that's who he did the podcast with, and they did the Suit Up podcast. And oh, no, so okay. that that's pretty much the story of how we met. Then Deebs came on to... Um, movies matrix and then me and him actually started like talking more about the movie drafts that we started last summer that yeah. we're still continuing nowadays but yeah that's like the the short version of how we all all four of us met yeah that's that's pretty awesome and i like and how i kind of got introduced to you guys is because through different mutual friends like leo from the geekly goods which uh, he's awesome and then the kind of uh, meeting amanda of cinemania uh, or candid cinema sorry and uh that's uh 
she's she also appeared on the Cinemania World podcast with Dwayne and all those yeah. guys over there. So it's kind of a, just a circle of Twitter and <laughs> the guy. Yeah. It's, so uh, kind of met met people through there, and then I got the invite from you one day because I know you we were following each other, liking each other's posts and stuff like that too. And then you said, "Hey, you want to be on the movie draft?" And that's that's kind of how we started really officially working together and uh yeah that had a lot of fun with that movie draft and you knocked me out in the first round so uh <laughs> i had it perfectly i had to, had to uh ask you to be on the, the podcast we could talk some smack to each other <laughs> of course of course it's all about the smack now so uh, tell me how the these movie drafts came um, came about because i think that's actually a really clever and unique idea that's actually a lot of fun and I, I really had a lot of fun with that. And it also gets a lot of participation with like Twitter, uh, Twitter people as well too. So that's a, I, th I thought it was a very cool idea. How did it, how did you guys come up with that? So it was originally Debs who came up with like, the general idea of it, the uh, just the whole concept of it. And he brought it into one of our group chats. I don't remember exactly which group chat, but it was one me and him were both a part of. And originally it was just, for people between movies matrix and geekly goods it was supposed mm. to be a friend thing originally and we actually kept it that way for about like a, a few months at that point and i came to him and i'm just like dude you know what i i don't i wasn't like the content manager but i i was running the youtube behind movies matrix and mm. deeps came to me one day and he's like, Ryan, do you want to start moving these over to Movies Matrix? Because they were originally on the uh, suit up TPL, the Painted Lines yeah. uh, YouTube channel for the first few episodes, which were once a month. So like over a few months, they all went there. And I'm like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll talk to so-and-so and, -so and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. So we spoke about it. And then me and him, that is when we became more collaborative partners on the drafts like throwing our ideas out and stuff like that saying what we think worked and didn't work and even till this day almost a year later bro our first one was july of 2020 and even to now we're still changing on how we do things because we we wanted to use this not only as like a friendly game to play with people on twitter but it was to outreach and source with other people get those connections because it's it, like you said before there's like this weird interconnective bubble within twitter right now and i feel like if you follow so and so people you'll know these so and so people like there's many people in the cinemania world that like i haven't spoken to personally or so or like even spoken in general yeah that i just see their tweets all the time because they're always collaborating with someone i know or everyone that i know is just liking their tweet so there's always that little bubble right there and we wanted to go on with that we wanted to continue on that tread but we also wanted to try and meet new people without the outside of that bubble and yeah. now we're just asking random people that we think would be a good candidate so <laughs> Well, perfect. Yeah, I'm glad to be uh, that uh, random person. Yes. Yeah, dude. No, but great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Like uh, I thought that the whole kind of idea I had a similar idea that we've been we were doing. I do like March Madness tournaments, but movie based stuff. Like we've had a couple on here. I haven't had done one recently, but I know we need to get back to doing it. We do like a bracket of like uh, 64 characters going up against each other. Who's gonna be the number one? And we, I think we've done Star Wars characters, and we've done a uh, superhero versus villains. So. Well, the first round matchups are always heroes versus villains. You, you not only need to know how to play the game, but you need to know how to play the audience, which is something that I think is really cool that we started to incorporate about mm -hmm. like, if, if you noticed 
before or no after the drafts once we officially draft everything um the the runner of the twitter account puts all of our teams onto twitter and everyone votes out of a through d or f what they think it is and then we do the twitter vote that's how we figure out our winner at the end of the day so it's not only something within the community that's within that video but everyone else gets to interact because even if they didn't watch the video they yeah. still know our teams and they can still compare those which i think is really cool at the end of the day no absolutely and it's i that's what i think that the uniqueness of that because you're actually getting a lot of interaction through uh different clicks and stuff too and that brings not just attention to your podcast but also more interactions through conversation and through like for instance like our matchups our teams were very solid but you know there were certain things now looking back like okay now i know how to kind of i'm not just playing what's actually the best villain maybe i'm playing towards like an audience vote too which is something i never I would never have thought of how to draft that way but it yeah. was actually really fun and a lot more strategic than uh than it just throwing things for. out there sometimes yeah yeah exactly yeah. uh so you know you're in the movie uh, space uh, was there a specific movie that really kicked off your love for uh, this kind of form of entertainment and uh, what are some of your early memories of like your film loving uh, journey so it, it's funny i always see how like on twitter people cooperate or incorporate a, a specific film with their young childhood memory but mm -hmm. i think on the opposite i remember an entire genre rather than one film yeah, itself nice. Uh, when I was growing up, horror was my my thing. I love horror movies. They haven't been so good recently, but it's fine. Horror is still like my root. That's exactly where I found for my my love of passion in movies because I was like that super antsy kid. I'd always like go around play stuff, and I could never sit still. And the only thing to sit me still was putting on a horror movie. I found super interesting about having these people just murdered on tv for some reason and <laughs> i i liked i hated getting scared but there was something about scaring the audience through an inanimate tv that i found super appealing to myself that wasn't just sound but just by the creature design coming out to the camera like that even it, like it wasn't coming at you it was just like holy shit that's really cool but yeah. yeah, horror movies are my my thing. I'll always love them. Nice. Uh, growing up, was there specific ones that you were more drawn to than others? Like a, maybe a, like a subgenre of horror or, or different creatures or maybe uh, the slashers or anything like that? Yeah. So I grew like I I know I diss on Snyder a lot. Well, specifically for his DC movies. But man, oh man, his 04 Dawn of the Dead film is something that I love, I absolutely adore that film. And like within the subgenre of horror, zombies is my favorite, like yes. subgenre. Um, and this is the movie that really added that for me. I think z between Zack Snyder's directorial and vision visionary experience in general, his mind is a wonder on top of a James Gunn script. I thought it worked and meshed perfectly. I think adding running zombies is one of the scariest things for zombies. Um, it was pretty brutal, and I liked how they kind of diverged away from the original George A. Romero one by sticking more to the mall. Yeah, and of the outside world, but yeah, not only is it my favorite horror movie of all time, but it's also my favorite Zack Snyder film of all time. Nice. I uh, 
agree. We actually just uh, reviewed that. Another host of our podcast, Todd, and I reviewed that movie leading up to Army of the Dead. And we got to say, like, that's our one of our favorite. I think Watchmen's up there with me, too. But Dawn of the Dead, it, it, it's a, I would never associate that with Zack Snyder. I said that in the review, too. Uh, but it, it's uh, a fantastic film that is truly underrated. One of those movies that oh, the, the original is better than the uh, the remake. I don't know. This one's a it's remake all the way. Yeah, it's uh, it. both of them are good. I need to, you know, both of them are really good. But it's 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 tough, man. That that uh, Zack Snyder uh, vision of Don is freaking fantastic. Really, a uh, really great little film there. Uh, what uh, what other kind of horror vil- films that you were like kind of like drawn to growing up? There, so when I was, man, I don't even remember my age, but it, it's got to be the original like Evil Dead film by Sam mm-hmm. Raimi, which was like a massive impact on me, just because. I honestly, I can't even tell you why there was just something about the movie being so visceral, raw, gritty, and overall kind of just disgusting and going for it that Mm. I really liked. And I can say the same thing for, I don't know why enough people don't talk about this film. And that's, uh, I think it came out in like 2006, 2007, Trick or Treat. It's one of the scariest fucking films of all time. And I don't know why enough people don't talk about it. That was another horror film that like I adored going up. I always had it on and the little pumpkin head baby thing. Yeah. Freaks me out to this day. Yeah. It looks like it came out in 2007, but that that's a great movie. I just actually watched that for, I think the first time last year. And it was the bus scene, dude, the bus scene when they all go down to the crevice, fucking oh. freaks me out every time i don't know how people don't talk about this movie enough it's so good man i think uh our our goal now is now we need to talk about this in october so we, uh, already Dude. i'm booking you for another uh i'm down to talk trick or treat. okay we're doing it okay I, I put in the books guys <laughs> trick or treats coming in october uh, i i definitely it's, it's kind of cool that you're not just a the genre you're a genre person not just like a, this this movie here this movie got me over here but the genre of horror and that's kind of kind of cool because i've talked to another guy cody leach i'm not sure if you're familiar with him but he's a big horror guy and that he grew up watching like the the chucky or child's play franchise and all these different creatures but he always kind of associated like these this is fake this is not uh not real type of thing and that never freaked him out was there was that kind of how you were in a way too like it you kind of knew it wasn't it was a movie but you also you were kind of compelled by how they uh, they did it and how they did these things or I think <laughs> yeah no I think when it comes to horror movies the thing that really drew me to them were for some reason I still think they're the most grounded genre out of most of them I mean if we look at Get Out I mean besides the uh, brain switching thing and stuff like that it's a pretty grounded tale on racism you know what I mean you could tell yeah. these different class act stories and still call it horror when it might, might not be in a tr- traditional horror like uh, Halloween where you just got someone going around murdering someone without a face. You know what I mean? And the same thing goes for us too and the tethered. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, what are, uh, if you could sit here right now and recommend some movies that uh, to people that may not have seen, is there some rec- horror recommendations of, for, for people that you said, you got to watch this dude. This one right here, The Void. Um, I don't mm, I don't remember what year it came out. I think it might have came out 2016, 2017. So bro, literally nobody talks about it. Once I saw it, it just it was my um 
what's the name? It was my arrival for the horror film genre. Mm. That's how it made me feel. Like it was something so unique and different. It's about like a police, it's a police station story, but like the KKK cult comes mm. in and next, you know, there's just Cthulhu coming out of nowhere. Like it's just, fucking bizarre and crazy that people need to watch that um i know people this is a series that everyone knows but for the worst reasons and i will stick for my guns on the saw franchise um everyone says they're torture porn which i agree they are to some extent but i do truly believe that underneath everything there is a much more interconnected and layered story that i will say the last two films that came out kind of diverged away from but those original seven films i've watched i've went down the rabbit hole of of saw films and dude from everything written to each individual paper just connects back to each and every other film even if it's a film that hasn't come out yet because the the saw franchise is infamous for having such a a rough and scratchy timeline that people just don't even really know um I would say literally any zombie film, even like the bootlegged ones, like Army Army of the Dead, the one that just came out. I, I like it a lot. I wouldn't say it's a zombie classic, but um, Night of the Living Dead, I know a lot of people are turned away from that just because it's black and white. It came out in 1968, seven around there, late 60s. But man, did it revolutionize not only the zombie genre, the horror genre. Yeah, it's a fantastic film. Dude, on top of like it's um film building it made fucking layers and screamed into hollywood by casting an african-american actor as the lead role and so this film just puts its supplements and seals itself in history as not only just being a great zombie film a great horror film but i would say it started a revolution in hiring different race people in lead roles and dude george a romero masterclass and then you've got the original dawn of the dead it's not i i say go back to it because it's not really a much like the uh, Zack snyder one the Zack snyder one's more within the um mall this one plays more into what's going on with the world the mall is a central plot point but it's not as central as the other ones um not as many characters when it comes to the that main focus group um Literally anything George A. Romero has done, you should totally watch. But those are just a few of my personal recommendations for like yeah. when it comes to all that stuff. Let's talk about the. I haven't seen the Void by the way, so I'm putting that on my list. But uh, but the Saw franchise, we actually leading up to Spiral. You know, uh, my wife is totally not into these movies, so she never <laughs> seen one at all. But I was like, I kind of want to do a review talking about. The original saw movie for spiral for the channel and she sat through it and then of course she wanted to watch the rest of them and she, yeah. she really, there's a couple traps like the rack uh that we we, we fast forward a couple times uh fast forward a little bit but uh, for the most part she did she did really well and then we we followed that up every night after we watched it with uh i don't know if you know who this uh, this youtuber is uh but uh, ZZ World. Uh, he goes. That, that's who I was talking about with the Saw video. ZZ World. Bro. Yeah. I watched all of his Saw videos. Yeah. He the things you missed videos. Yep. Freaking amazing creator. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to reach out to him and hopefully get an interview with that guy because I would love to pick his brain about Dude. Uh, just anything. <laughs> He's awesome. Anyway, um, 
Same as Zach Morris, by the way. Anyway, um, uh, I just we just binge watched Final Destination. Went back and watched all those things Love you those. missed videos too. Those are a lot of fun. Uh, my wife, yeah, she blew her mind that that final twist in Final Destination Five. Uh, <laughs> even though it's I was like crazy rewatching now i'm like kind of it's kind of obvious but and then if you watch those things you miss videos like bro, yeah, of course it's obvious say. for a reason like yeah bro, it just fucks with your mind so much yeah exactly exactly so yeah he's a he's awesome um if what is because you said horror this this time or around now recent horror hasn't been the greatest what thing what are you seeing in horror films that you're like i absolutely hate this crap Honestly, it's going past their their benchmark. And when I when I mean that is we're living in this day and age where everything needs a sequel, a franchise, a universe, thanks to Marvel. And I'll, I'll say it on the show, Conjuring 3, I did not like. Quiet Place 2 is less appear is far less superior than the first one in my opinion. Um even Spiral 2, like this year alone, just like some really good memories of those. Like um, right now I'm watching the original or like before we started this, I'm watching the uh, 28 days later. Like mm-hmm. this is my first time watching it. I think it's good, a little overrated, but like that, that came out years ago at this point. But like back to my point on like with the spiral new stuff is they say they have these new twists and turns or something that can reinvigorate the genre where in reality, Spiral didn't do anything new. If anything, went a little bit back, in my opinion. Conjuring 3 just didn't have James Wan. Uh, That's the biggest problem. And that leads into these franchises build off these great creative visions. DC with Zack Snyder. uh, Conjuring Universe with James Wan. And Saw with James Wan. And then as they keep going on, they don't go by the original vision most of them don't really have original visions but they far so far from where it originally started that it's just like now you're just going on for no reason halloween is a great example after the second one the third one didn't even have mike myers and then the next three were like some voodoo stories like it's just a a massive mix of things where they're just trying to find their footing when they, they found their footing. Now they're just tripping over their own legs. Mm. And that's how I feel about the horror genre nowadays. No, that makes sense. Yeah. I haven't seen the new conjuring one. I know it just hopped on HBO max. So I'll probably check it out sooner rather than later. Uh, I want to hit on what you said about the Halloween franchise. That's one of my favorite horror franchises. Obviously Halloween, the, the, the original is the classic, but I'm also a huge fan of Halloween three season of the witch. I know it's an anthology film, and that's how the, the what they they what yeah. how they wanted to go originally. They didn't want to do all these sequels, uh, but you can't beat Mike Myers. So it's I look at it as uh, the film itself and where it ranks. Uh, there's some really bad ones in the Halloween franchise. I'm not a big fan of. I know. Uh, yeah, there's some really fun ones. Like I really am a big fan of Halloween H2O. Like that's yeah, fun. Same. That's a fun movie. I like the original Halloween too. I even I enjoy those Rob Zombie ones. I I liked the I appreciated the the mixture. I like the first did. one. The first yeah. The second. The, the second one I kind of I, I I appreciate how different unique it was <laughs> the uniqueness of what he did. So he crazy. changed it up. It's so crazy. But I kind of was like. I kind of like how much everybody hates this movie. <laughs> Dude, it's insane. Like, I, I I will be a supporter of the first one. I like the the direction that he... It's he a too long to, like, for me. It's too yeah, long. Yeah, it's, 
they they spend way too much time with him as a child i feel like like yeah. if they spent a little less time it would have been perfect but like even down to like the remake stuff of like him haunting de- hunting down Lori is mm-hmm. i think it's really great stuff and actually really scary mm-hmm. so no no i agree but, with that yeah yeah he's brutal in that, that yeah brutal movies, so. and I, I i enjoyed the uh, the new halloween the new halloween 2 film <laughs> so that uh they just did a couple of years with uh, uh david oh what's the director's name david gordon green yeah david gordon green yeah, yeah that, I, I, I thought that had a lot of fun with that so hopefully halloween kills coming out this year hopefully Yo, I'm, excited. Wood. I'm excited for it i'm excited uh it's funny what you mentioned a couple james wan franchises already saw conjuring but we never really mentioned insidious too much which is always a fun one that he also started how do you uh how how would you rank those three like the first films that he's done on those franchises insidious conjuring and the soft movie how would you rank them insidious is definitely last Mm. uh i like insidious too that's my favorite one out of the i i don't like any of them i think they're all bad yeah that that's because i just don't like any of them and i just stopped after the third one um it's hard because i feel like with saw he only made he wrote the no he wrote the first two because it was uh lee winnell that wrote the third one by himself james one didn't come back he went to go do dead silence yep. so um it's hard to compare because i feel like the first two saws are usually arguable like as the better saw films Absolutely. and then but dude the conjuring one and two dude they mm-hmm. when i say reinvigorated the horror genre like they really brought the scares back in 2013 and 2016 i think like early to early to late 2000s like the whole 20 to 2010 era was just like pretty lackluster for for horror they were really just trying to find their footing it's all these really crappy pg-13 or r wannabe films with these really terrible actresses directors and they just want to go for the sex and gore like that's really where where the horror genre thought they were back in those days and i feel like with james wan he really took it back to it being a horror movie with with the families um the hauntings and Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga were perfectly casted as Ed and Lorraine Warren. And it's got that sense of realism. Whether you believe that it actually happened or not, that's up to you. But yeah. he definitely makes you think it was real. It was gritty. It was, oh, I, I love the Conjuring film. So I'm going to go Conjuring, Saw, and then the Insidious movies. Okay. That, make, that, that makes sense. I, I, I agree with that rating, I think. I think they were all i i enjoy the insidious ones i'm not like that's the ones i've only seen a couple times but i, I think, think they're insidious overrated too. yeah I th- yeah i agree I, if it, comparing franchise i'd rather go watch a saw movie or a conjuring movie yeah not maybe the annabelle franchise because i want don't no. want to dig too much into Except the creation creation, creation and i kind of had i had fun with annabelle go comes home because it kind of was like oh yeah this is like marvel endgame right here this is the avengers endgame they're just gonna throw all these different things at the very end of the movie that's how i felt towards the that's how so the way i felt the way you're feeling about that is exactly how i felt about conjuring three that's a perfect way to explain it okay perfect let me uh i'll take a look at that later (laughs) maybe tonight (laughs) who knows we'll see uh but yeah the James Wan, uh, we're talking about him, and he's just a fan. You guys also did a did James Wan throwdown. Uh, yeah. They, the guys did that yesterday, so check out that. I'll put the link to that video down in the description because it just ties in perfectly here, and maybe the eye above our head. Boom. boom. <laughs> anyway, uh, 
James Wan, there was something about his visionary direction. Even like Dead Silence was a very creepy doll film where they ripped out your tongue and if you, if yeah. you scream, a very unique B-level movie, but yeah. still a lot of fun there. Uh, what kind of things do you, th- uh, what are some of your, we just talked about, the, other than the three movies we already mentioned, what are some other your favorite James Wan films or that he's attached to, directed, produced man a it's lot. unfortunate because that's about it i i'm True. not the biggest fan of aquaman like i think it's good but like other than that i i definitely think it's a little overrated um yeah. i'm not a fan of any of the insidiouses i'm not a fan of uh dead silence yeah it's i was actually having a conversation with amanda about this last night i'm like how do i tell myself that i'm a huge fan of james wan but i still like less of more than <laughs> like what the hell how is that thing but i think that with james wan i don't want to say hit or miss wait he directed fast seven didn't he right yeah yeah he directed that was but i say like I was- fast seven i like fast seven too but i feel like with james wan when it comes to horror like the dude can blow it out of the park or just be like super b b tier like with insidious yeah. and dead silence like when he wants to like make something scary, he fucking makes something scary. But like, I don't know. Yeah. He's he's super hit or miss with me for nowadays. I hope Malignant's good. Oh yeah, yeah. He just that's incomplete. Oh, here's a movie that I really liked: Death Sentence from 2007 with Kevin Bacon. I didn't see that. Yeah, it's Kevin Bacon, John Goodman. The, the synopsis is Nick. Nick is a mild manner executive for the perfect life until one gruesome night he witnesses something that changes him forever transformed by grief and nick eventually comes to the disturbing conclusion that no length is too great when protecting his family death sentence with kevin bacon that's i remember him really liking that movie trying to pull Man, up. that sounds familiar yeah like, like his family dies and he goes after the uh, the killers and the uh and the part of he's a, it's the killers attached to john goodman's mafia character it's a pretty damn good movie. My wife, yeah, of course, yeah. Of course. Uh, but he's also directed like the Saw movie, Death Sent, uh, Death, Dead Silence, Death Sentence. He did a Insidious, The Conjuring, Insidious Two, Furious Seven, Conjuring Two, Aquaman, Malignant, which are that movie that you just mentioned, and then Aquaman <laughs> Two. He did like sixteen movies. So yeah, he's done a lot of these horror films. But yeah, you kind of he's a visionary, but not a huge fan of all the the work yeah it's so weird done. when it it's comes weird. to him i don't get it i i try to figure it out i'm like how do how the fuck do i like like when i like his movies i love them but when i don't like them i just don't like them like i could care less about seeing them again i'm like how does this work you must be a visionary to do that to me yeah you must be <laughs> Uh, so one thing I wanted to mention, I know that you make a bunch of short films. You just had a film that gets submitted into a film festival. Yes, I, I wanna, did. I want to tell uh, talk about that real quick. So, yeah, I ironically enough made the short film for my final project in school. And I was sitting there. I'm just like, man, I really don't want to write this script because I was kind of in that creative block, the writer's block. And I'm like, man, I really can't think of a story. And so I'm just like, yo, mom, let's go shoot something for my uh, final project because I had no one else around to do it. So I'm just, she's like, okay, sure, let's let's do it. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing. So I just took a bag, my camera, a bottle of pills and a knife and some ketchup. And I'm like, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but fuck it. I'll figure it out. So I just 
shot a short film, no script. I did it off the top of my head. I actually wrote the script afterwards. I'm just like, okay, so I got, I did this and this, I wrote the action there. And so a little unorthodox, but yeah, man, I didn't win, but it, it was still really cool to see that my little short film that I kind of didn't put too much thought into, but I think it was really pleasing to the eye. I'm really proud with how I shot it. Not the best story in the world. I just called it Juliet. I showed the one side of Juliet at the end of Romeo and Juliet where they pop the pills and kill themselves. But uh, yeah, I'm really happy about it. And hopefully I'm shooting a new one in a few weeks with an actor buddy of mine. So I'm actually going to try this time, like put all my (laughs) efforts into it. It's called Dear Dad. Uh, I'll leave it there. But yeah, dude, I'm super happy and proud that I got into a short little film festival by me. Oh, that's that's awesome. Where can uh, is there is that you have that movie streaming anywhere so we can take a look at it? Yeah, so it? it's streaming on my YouTube channel, The Geek Fix, um, for my okay. short films. Yeah, it should be my most recent one, actually. Okay, too, I'll make so sure to leave that link yeah. in the show notes and also the eye above our head right there. Yeah, uh, so we make sure to watch that. I know I need to take a look at that. I just I saw that when I was scrolling through Twitter and you post. I'm like, damn, that's freaking awesome! Like, but hearing that kind of story, uh, <laughs> that's, yeah, 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 minimal effort, big, big <laughs> reward, maybe. <laughs> you know that honestly, I hate to say it, but like, it, it wasn't minimal effort. It was just more of like I felt like I needed uh, to do it before I really thought about it to write it down because I'm more of a hands-on person rather than the visual learner. I'm more of like hands-on, let me lift something or do something like that. And it just comes to me more naturally than just sitting on the couch and typing it up. Cause like once I got the idea or like my mom was just standing in one place before I even thought about it, I'm like, that's it. It just hit me right there. So that that's like more of my creative process when I go into things. Yeah, what was the process of talking your mom into doing this movie with you? Uh, yeah, so I'm just like, <laughs> think about it if you lost your boyfriend. <laughs> that, that's exactly what I told her. I'm like, that's the mindset you want to be in, woman. But like, I didn't tell her like what I was going to do until the end. Uh, I originally, I was going to go with her cutting herself, but I'm Ooh. just like, you know what? I think that's a little dark for right now. Um, I don't want to like toot anyone's horn the wrong way. So I went more of the pill route. And when I went with more of the pill route, I'm like, you know what? I could connect this with uh, Romeo and Juliet. How she in the story, spoiler, if anyone's never read Romeo and Juliet, she takes like a swig of poison when she, I forgot. No, she pretends to die and then she kills herself. Sorry. But yeah, once Romeo finds out he, he killed himself, she takes a swig of the poison he took that's the end of the day. And I kind of, instead of using like the poison, I just use like Tic Tacs and call them pills. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So minty was, death. Like, my little creative process. Minty death. Yeah. 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 That's cool, man. I, so in, when you're in the process of doing this, uh, you said dear, dear father, dear dad, dear dad. Yeah. Dear dad. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to pry for too much details. I would okay. respect your process, but when you're sit, are you sitting down and writing this script? Do you got to have like kind of an, like a little like bullet points that you want to touch on, on, on the film or what, what's your process? Go make an, another film. So when, when I like go into the process of 
like just the general idea of it i literally i'm not a big writer i just keep track of the things in my head and mm -hmm. i'm like you know what i want to you got to think about the budget your location um what you can do with that and that's another reason why i like the horror genre because it doesn't require a lot of money and it re requires a lot of freedom within the person and it allows them to be more hands-on and um, just requires more creativeness, I feel like, and not really relying on the money. And that's sort of where I am because I got no money. I've got a camera and no actors. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just like, what do you do? And with Juliet, I made it into a silent film, which was right. a thing because I'm just like, you know what? I really didn't want to deal with the sound. But with this one, I kind of touched on like my relationship with my dad when I was younger. We didn't have the best relationship, but like as time on, we're like best friends now. And awesome. the I'll just like say the general story notes for, for like context is the title Dear Dad is my friend. I forgot the character's name. I think it's Jeremy um, is 24. His dad goes to jail for embezzlement. But over the course of time, his dad writes him letters trying to tell him that or try to convince him because he's the only one within the family that doesn't believe the father when he says that he didn't really do it and he was being framed. So throughout the entire film, he gets letters from his dad trying to reconnect with him and stuff like that. And by the end, mm. it's him trying to find the will and power to write that note back between asking his mother, asking his younger sister what he should do. And yeah, the, it goes up to dear dad of him writing that note, something like uh, the, the show dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. That's, that's, that sounds pretty amazing. I, to be honest, that that's kind of like the whole thing about getting uh, that process and having trying to mend a, a relationship like that that would be a yeah. really hard to convey but i i wish you the best of luck on that man that's i definitely gotta check Thanks. that out let me know i'll keep us posted i'm sure you probably will uh yep. at some point yeah uh but i also want to keep you accountable on a post you did okay i know it's what you're talking about i know it's yeah. what you're talking about <laughs> you said may 17th you pinned this on twitter I'm making a promise to myself and I'm, I'm pinning this tweet to never forget. <laughs> I will make one of the greatest zombie films of all time. And if I, if not, you can bet your fucking ass. I put every blood, every put blood, sweat and tear and your motherfucking tears into this project. <laughs> so I wish you the best of luck. So you can make Thanks, this zombie please. film, man. <laughs> Dude, I got to start. I want to really just pay tribute when I make that movie to my roots the zombie genre the horror genre and zombies was like the really big my first yeah. interesting topic or subgenre, i guess you can say and a lot of i owe that a lot to uh zack snyder and james gunn for making dawn of the dead and okay. i know people want to say their thing about army of the dead but i think it's just fun and a lot of blood sweat and guts in that movie say what yeah. you want but i feel like dawn of the dead is the much more better made film yeah. <laughs> i'm glad army of the dead exists it was a lot of fun yes. uh but yeah there was a lot of mess with that too dude <laughs> yeah i believe you i know i yeah. th that's what i say like when you look at like when it comes to snyder and his zombie films if you want like a real good story with really good acting and you want to have like some emotional pay no i wouldn't say emotional payoff but you want to stay connected to these characters Dawn of the Dead, 100%. But if you really yep. just want to sit down, eat dinner, and just have a good time, Army of the Dead all the way. Yeah, exactly. Batista's fantastic. Man. I will say that. Though. That's exactly what I said. Batista is all I needed to be good in this film. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're talking about uh, horror films, obviously. If you could describe uh, your your taste in by your taste in films, uh, how would you how would you describe your taste in film other than you know horror? What other films do you like? And I'm gonna sound like every typical Twitter nerd. Um, Here we go. I'm a massive comic book movie nerd, dude. I love I love comic book movies. I they're yeah. just there's something to them to where like even if it's like the same movie as the last one like iron man one and two are relatively like the same films at the end of the day but i don't know they're just good especially with what that the mcu has been able to accomplish i feel like it just it clearly set a precedent for a bunch of other genres every look at mission possible doing their own franchise the conjuring universe the failed dark universe the fast and the furious universe now with um hobbs and shaw a few years ago like everything needs to have a universe and that's because of these two fucking gloves right here that's why and dude i don't know they're just so fun they always offer something new like Bro, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame literally brought 60 plus main characters into a singular two and a half to three hour film. That just sounds impossible, but they managed to do it. Like how? It's those things that just keep blowing my mind. And a lot of it too is the hype surrounded all by all these movies. Like I wasn't looking forward to Zack Snyder's justice league, for example, but just because of what everyone's saying, I'm so curious to see it. Like, even if I'm not interested in the film, I will always see it because I feel like it's always being discussed. It's something that everyone can seem to have a conversation about whether it's good or bad. Um, they're popcorn films, but they also take themselves super seriously. Like, bro, I'll be honest with you. I think I've only cried twice in a movie theater. The first one was Marley and me. Everyone cries at Marley and me. And the second is when Iron Man sacrificed himself. Like if a comic book movie can make me feel the same way about a dog dying at the end of a movie, I think that speaks like magnitudes. And especially when they get these actors that portray these roles for so long. And I think Hugh Jackman was a perfect example because he was the very first person to do it for like, I think it was 20 or 20 plus years by the time Logan came out. And Robert Downey Jr. will always be Iron Man. Chris Evans will always be Captain America. Um, who else? Bro, like literally... Chris oh my God, Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, as Thor. Then you have, I, I wouldn't say, um, fuck, what's his name that plays Clint Barton? Um, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, I don't Jeremy think Renner. like some of those characters won't be like remembered for those roles, like the, like Iron yeah. Man, Captain America and stuff like that. But like, um, dude, it, I, there's just always something to offer. Like Paul Rudd, like literally everyone are in these movies now. Everyone has gotten on the fucking bandwagon with these movies and i'm all for it now like give me every marvel every bad dc film you want to give me i'm here i'll eat them up nice (laughs) (laughs) i am i i will say this i'm a huge out of all the four of us on our podcast i think terry and i are the biggest comic booky fans i know that the other two guys are kind of kind of sick of them. Don't really like the genre too much. Uh, they they'll watch them if we have to <laughs> review them type of thing. Uh, and I, uh, but there's some fun to be had. I think we can all say that too. There there is fun moments. Um, but I, I was one after Endgame. I'm I'm perfectly fine. I said this before. I'm perfectly fine with that break in between. You know that whole couple years yeah. off after the Spider Man Far From Home came out. I'm like we. I don't need to see Black Widow 
right now. Let's have some let's have some breathing room. Let it settle. And but now I'm I'm getting cl- more excited for uh, I, I'm excited for Black Widow to a certain extent. Like it didn't make it's not my top ten most anticipated movies. Like everybody would probably have it put down, but I, I'm more excited to see what they do with that Spider Man movie. But more importantly, yes. Doctor Strange: Multiverse of Madness because I'm here. I heard that Tom Cruise might appear in it as Tony Stark because he was originally supposed to do it. It brings gives me. It gives this me flash, gonna blow. These it gives me flashbacks to him appearing as uh, Austin Powers and Austin Powers. Oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, Man, that baby. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Oh. That was a time. Uh, but yeah, I'm more excited for that one because uh, WandaVision was fantastic. I thought Yeah, uh, I had a lot of fun with that show. And then uh, Eternals, I'm more getting on the bandwagon just because Chloe's dude, off. I'm always just, excited for her. Uh, dude, the MCU just is so good this year. I mean, I'm, I'm not really excited for Black Widow. I'm more curious about what, how they're just going to connect everything. I feel Task like this... Mask, the, the, I yeah, think Task, gonna... Dude, I love Taskmaster. I think he's, I think such, he's a such a cool villain. I think villain. they're going to they're gonna switch it. They're going to try to do some big reveal. That's going to be somebody and you're like, they oh, they're going to do something and it's going to be like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. No, yeah. I have a feeling, yeah. Um, what other properties are you looking forward to for the Marvel or superhero? Dude, uh, I, don't I don't gotta tell you, you Eternals Eternal is gonna is be gonna... like the first uh, Academy Award nominated Marvel film that actually means something other than visual effects. I'm calling that now. If it's not best picture, best director, it's definitely best fucking cinematography right then and there, just off the trailer alone. Um, but dude, I'll tell you right now, Spider-Man No Way Home is my number one film of the year i cannot wait for that movie i'm a massive spider-man nerd that's my favorite character or comic book character of all time and whether the leaks are true or not dude there's just so many leaks at this point you don't know what's true so i feel like the movie just hasn't been ruined at this point so where everyone's like oh man all these rumors are just ruining the movie i'm like yeah name which rumors are which and they'll 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 bring up like a fucking 50 page document with all the rumors and they'll be like Oh, you're right. I'm like, yeah, bro. There's just so many rumors. You don't know what's true, what's not. That I feel like if you go into the film, you're still gonna be shocked. You're like, wait a second, I read about that, but holy shit, it's actually happening. <laughs> like, it's still that whole mindset. And I feel like with the MCU, I think I said this on the Suit Up Geeks like last week or something like that. The MCU is at a prime point where the only time people will get their own solo films is only to introduce themselves their sequels like we see with captain marvel are just going to be these tie together set up five different movies or tv shows and you know, as it, it should be yeah, yeah I think. that's really what that's what it's coming to and you know what i'm all for it. give me the multiverse give me toby give me electro from amazing spider-man 2 i'm here for it <laughs> there we go uh <laughs> craven the hunter <laughs> no we talked about that earlier. That's that's, that's weird oh, casting. Aaron Taylor yeah. Johnson. My anyway, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think. My, what's your favorite MCU film? Avengers: Infinity War. Mm. I, dude, I that's think, two. dude, what's your number one? Then I'm curious now if it's your number two. Uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Oh, you're one of those people. You're one of those people. I I, I think it's funny. I feel like uh, the people that have the Winter Soldier as their number one pick for the MCU just has like their own little group chat now. Out of (laughs) all the people I know, there's so many people that have that. I don't know, but I feel like I I get it. I think uh, 
I Captain love that America. genre of film though. Like yeah, like the spy, spy espionage, yeah. right? I I think what I like the most about Infinity War is not that I don't think it was the genre itself. I think it's everything that the movie didn't do for itself, but for everyone involved, cinema lovers, Hollywood, it, it was just a monumental film. This is a film that was 10 years in the making, and this is their moment. Do they yeah. hit it out of the park, or do they trip over their legs so fucking hard that people won't trust it? Because I know that was a massive scare, not only for people out there, but for me myself, is if they don't pull this off, how can we trust Marvel to do anything past what Avengers Age of Ultron could do? And at that point, or at this point, that's not a massively big film in context of characters to what they've what they've done. And I think they added one of the best villains in not only comic book history, but cinematic history, and gave him a layer of depth in a film that's already so convoluted with 20 other films previously all these other characters if you hadn't watched the films like it just amazed me how they interconnected everything mm -hmm. so seem seamlessly flawlessly and it didn't fail by any regard it has the most memorable and jaw-dropping moments or endings in cinematic history i can tell you dude i saw the midnight showing of this and this movie didn't end until 3 a.m my jaw dropped and said fuck me they actually did it like yeah we know they're gonna come back but when have you ever seen a comic book film or any film of that liking just kill most of the characters pretty much and say fuck it you and know kill what i mean the biggest blockbuster that year up to that point when black panther spider-man yep. people cried when those characters disappeared dude I don't, I don't, I know I'm not the first person to say this, but seeing Peter holding on to, to saying to Tony, I'm sorry I came. I'm like, bro, that was, this was going to happen anyway. You coming didn't do anything, but it, it, dude, it was just so heartbreaking seeing that their relationship, their father son relationship up until that point. Yeah. And then he kind of just floats, withers away in his arms. And you're, you're, he's just sitting there like, how the fuck did this just happen? And then you're like, bro, you're on a whole different planet. Why are you worried about that right now? Like, yeah. Dude, I just think it was just a groundbreaking film. Yeah, I, I really like it as well. It's it's my, like I said, my number two, followed by Endgame. I, Guardians of the Galaxy is up there. I think the first Iron Man is up there. Try to think. Guardian, yeah. I so I think my top three is Infinity War, Guardians, and then Ragnarok. Those are my top three. Mm, nice, nice. Yeah, that yeah. Ragnarok I think is up there too for me. I really like that one too. My, what's Chef your most? Yeah, <laughs> what's your most disappointing? Not the worst film. What's the most disappointing film? Easy okay. answer for me, and it's near the bottom of, of all my, time. Or like comic books? Marvel. We're talking about Marvel. Oh, oh Marvel. Man, most disappointing. Oh, man this is the one that i get the most flack for too on mine damn i'm gonna be honest i'm gonna say captain marvel captain marvel most, yeah. that's near the bottom of my list too dude captain marvel's like bottom three i think for me yeah it's super low but what what is yours now that you said that you get a lot of slack for this guardians of the galaxy too oh 
that's like number four down for me. I completely yeah, understand. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You. Good. Uh, yeah. Don't so worry, yeah, my I bottom is like you. Thor: The Dark World, Iron Man two. I think it's Captain Marvel, Guardians, and then yeah, Ant Man and the Wasp. I think that's my uh, that's my bottom. Five. Dude, I think we have like the same exact bottom list right now. That's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Because right now, where is it? every MCU project ranked? Yeah. So twenty five. This is with the shows too. Twenty five. Thor: The Dark World. Iron Man yep. 2, yep. Captain Marvel, Guardians 2, and Ant-Man 2. Those are my top five worst right there. Do we just I, become his friends? Dude, I think we do. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Step Brothers up in here. Step here we Brothers, go. I love it. Like, even, I would say the most underrated or overhated Marvel film is definitely The Incredible Hulk. Oh, yeah. Definitely The Incredible Hulk. It's number yeah. 20 for me, but considering that it's 2008, I like it where it is. Yeah, and it's because it's the black sheep because it's nothing really is tied into it yet, other than Thunderbolt Ross, and it's a different, uh, different Hulk and all that stuff. But yeah. they're bringing all those characters back for the She Hulk show at least, except yeah, for Edward yeah. Norton. Yeah, except for Edward Norton. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Strange too. No, <laughs> fingers crossed. No, Dude, imagine, imagine if that happened. It's like it's a multiverse film. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god just freaking out in the theater i knew it yeah so did everyone on twitter jackass <laughs> <laughs> my name is adam and in anticipation for edgar wright's next film last night in sahu coming out later on this year i wanted to go back and take a journey with edgar wright and look at all his other films Today we are talking about Hot Fuzz, and I have a special guest on the channel, so let's roll that intro. Start with Launchpad McQuack. Uh, that's not the actual title of this. We are Sex Baboon! One, two, three, four! So I do have a guest today, and that is Ryan of the Suit Up Geeks podcast. Ryan, how are you doing, my friend? Yo, what's going on, Adam? What's going on, Sideway viewers? I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Uh, so I'm starting this Edgar Wright series off right, I think. I'm revisiting a movie that I wasn't a huge fan of the first time I watched it. This is only the second time I watched it, and I got to say, that second time completely flipped my thoughts on Hot Fuzz. And I got to talk, talk about this film because you clearly stated before that Hot Fuzz was one of your favorite movies of all time. Sergeant Nicholas Angel, expert in hand-to-hand -hand combat, armed response, and high-speed pursuit. He was so good, they reassigned him. Right. You've been making us all look bad. There's one thing you haven't taken into account, and that's what the team is going to make of this. Statistically, Sanford is the safest village in the country. Now, this big city cop. Have you ever fired two guns whilst jumping through the air? No. Have you ever fired one gun whilst jumping through the air? No. Must learn. Is it true that there is a place in a man's head that if you shoot it, it will blow up? How to think small. Morning, the swans escaped. The swans escaped. Can you describe it to me? About two foot tall. Yep. Uh, long, slender neck. Huh? That's just gonna scare it. But in a place where not much goes on. Watch this. <laughs> a whole lot is about to go down. 
Three people have died in a week. Accidents happen all the time. What makes you think it was murder? There hasn't been a murder in 20 years. You're saying this wasn't an accident. Not everyone's a murdering psychopath. It's high time you realise that. You and your monkey. Did he mean me or that? Have you ever wondered why the crime rate is so low and yet the accident rate is so high? Oh, uh, yeah. Bust this thing wide open. From the guys who watched every action movie ever made and created Shaun of the Dead. You never taken a shortcut before? When the heat is on, here come the fuzz. You gotta call the fuzz. Gunfights, car chases. And that's what I'm talking about. a mustache i know and if you've never seen hot fuzz let me give you a quick uh synopsis of what the film is about this movie came out in 2007 and it's directed by edgar wright and it stars a skilled london police officer is transferred to a small town with a dark secret and stars simon Pegg, nick frost uh, bill nye is in there Olive oscar winner olivia coleman's in there Martin Freeman's in it too. Oh yeah, Martin Freeman shows up in here, and also Jim Broadbent is another one. That was another actor I wanted to mention there. Okay, so Hot Fuzz, Ryan, why do you love Hot Fuzz so much? So like, I gotta say this right now. I'm like uh, Edgar Wright cultist, and I love the the three trilogy, the three movies in the trilogy that him, Nick Frost, and uh, Simon Pegg made together. And this is the second film in that trilogy. And man, I'm not one for a police story. I don't know why. They've never like really been my cup of tea. But I feel like this movie turned that genre on its head. And mm. we get everything against the norm. We get this highly skilled cop who does everything right, but because he's too good at his job, he's placed at a town that gets no crime. Like, bro, <laughs> it's just like they make him the most useful and make him the most useless at the same time. And I think his personality, um, Nicholas Angel, is super just like against the authoritative law. And he really puts the the small little town on their tip of their toes by really going hard on the teams drinking in, in the bar and stuff like that. When they've stated millions of times that there's no crime for years within this town. And the, I mean, his relationship with a uh, Nick Frost character, Danny Butterman, the uh, police chief's son is yeah. they have this great dynamic that you can see in, every film they do together but i feel like they have that sweet friendship romance i guess you can say within this film the most because danny plays the exact opposite of nicholas in this film nicholas is that hard stern against the law for the law type of person um and <laughs> danny's kind of this whimsical kind of out there he's just like hey yeah. what's going on mate just super friendly you just want to hold hug and be like hey man let's get a beer someone who's super nice who doesn't see the wrong in anybody and <laughs> i think they have this great back and forth in the film that really pays itself because they are best friends in real life and that's yeah. kind of like the general consensus on why i love this movie yeah yeah i don't when i, I remember looking back on this film and i just for whatever reason i think even looking back at now, I think 
going back, this is the first film in our journey here, and it, it's weird that I'm starting off with a second film in the trilogy, but it's one that I, I figured I should watch, one that I wasn't too high on to begin with, to kind of get a different perspective on Edgar Wright's stuff. I think that's a good starting point yeah. for me anyway. That's what my thought process was. Uh, but going into Hot Fuzz, I the second time, I, I knew I didn't really care for it too much. It's like my second to the bottom of his list. The World's End would be like my least favorite one. Looking, for, I've only seen that one film once too, so I'm looking forward to doing that one again. But anyway, Hot Fuzz was, I, 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 I thought it was funny, amusing at times, but I just didn't care for it. I, it's like, I prefer to watch Shaun of the Dead. You know, that's my film. Then Scott Pilgrim, and then, then he made Baby Driver too. But uh, watching this one, I was watching it with my wife, and I don't think she's ever seen it. And we were absolutely hooked on it, and we were laughing throughout. And I was like, man, I don't know what I did not like in it before. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't paying attention before, but this movie is hilarious. I will say, going back, I think there's a little spots in the middle por portion of it that are a little like not as funny, but they're setting up the groundwork with the reveal is going to be at the end of the movie. And then that, and then it goes into that big action set piece at the the very end. And I think it all it's all paced really well. And Edgar Wright's style is completely plastered on this. He has a bunch of pop pop culture references in it. I would love to have that freaking bedroom that opens up those sliding doors and movies are just packed on the wall. Yeah. I, I talked to my wife and she, uh, she's like, "If we have a bigger house," and I was like. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We got this. <laughs> we'll get it done. I also really appreciate it because his last name is Angel. His unit, his badge number was seven seven seven. I was like, ah, oh, it's God's number right there, right? Yeah. I, I love. I like the little tie into that kind of stuff and just the different references here. I think uh, it this this outing played so much better than uh, I actually could have imagined it doing. So definitely appreciated Hot Fuzz a lot more. What's your some of your favorite moment? What's your favorite scene in Hot Fuzz? Oh, dude, my favorite scene is when they just roll up afterwards in the in the town square in the morning with just the infantry on their back and they just start pumping caps into the townspeople, and it's just fucking hilarious, bro. <laughs> Nick yeah. Frost, Nick Frost, and Simon Pegg do do that fun, friendly, giddy thing where they're like action movie time and they they fist pump and they just take out these shotguns boom blasting everybody and then i like how it's a nice simile of the beginning when he first walked into the town nicholas angel where it yeah. kind of seems like this nice quaint everyone's friendly with each other everyone knows each other it kind of seems like a routine thing like this person always rides their bike this way as this person comes out of the store they always say hi something like that yeah. and then we go back to the same kind of entrance at the end but in different circumstances and everyone realizes that nick should be dead and they're they're all super worried and they stop their kind of routine thing and then they just go into a bloodbath and it turns into this super graphic handheld camera fast fast cutting action of nicholas angel just shooting grannies left and right <laughs> dude it, it's just so funny because it's not a movie you would expect this from especially so far in you see all these bloody moments and stuff you see a older person die but you don't see like the cops going to the townspeople no questions about it just blowing caps into them i love it yeah i i really uh yeah the ending of, is it's so ridiculous and that's what uh, Edgar Wright's known for is that cartoonish violence over ridiculous cartoon violence here and it it plays really well and it's uh gives you the comedic 
comedic timing of all these kills, but also some of that action that you're just craving for the whole time. You know what's going to happen. You see the poster that's behind us here. You see like the big old explosions. So you know there's going to be some references to bad boys, point break. You you, you want to see this stuff, and we get it in this like final big action set piece. It's it's amazing. I really love it. And, and having that twist... It's this movie came out in 2007, folks. We're spoiling it here. Yeah, having the police chief like be the guy. This uh, Jim Broadbent is known for having that. Uh, so having Jim Broadbent as this revealed who plays uh, Nick Frost's dad in this movie, he's the police chief of the small town, be revealed as one of the people who is actually in part of this cult that kind of killing these kids and stuff like that too to keep it zero crime. As my dog barks at the bad guys outside our house, I, I guess maybe a, maybe a squirrel. Uh, but anyway, I, I love that reveal. How did you think about that reveal? What did you think about that reveal with Jim Broadbent? Honestly, it was a pretty shocking reveal. I don't think about the Jim Broadband itself, the reveal being like super surprising. I mm-hmm. think I found more of everyone, the, the entire town was involved. Yeah. That really got me more than the, the uh, head chief because mm-hmm. you don't expect this giant town to be in on murdering anyone that really just has any resemblance of being negative or harmful to the town. And it's kind of funny thinking back on the plot of this thing, this movie, and it's about a town with no crime. The answer is right in front of you. It has no crime because it commits a crime. Like you're you're sitting there (laughs) like, bro, it's sitting, the answer is right there. And once you get context behind what it really means, I think it adds a little bit more. And I think that the whole Danny thing worked really well because of his childlike innocence of having his mother die at a young age and seeing his father being this superb person being the the head chief of the police department not only is he the head chief but he's the head chief of the safest town and he realizes what they're doing but he thinks of it in the opposite way that he thinks that it actually is helping them but not realizing the consequences behind it and then i feel like once nicholas angel who turns out or becomes his true friend makes him see the real horror behind it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of turns on his father and goes back to the police station. And I, I thought it was a great twist, especially for an Edgar Wright film too mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. The uh, one, of, I didn't mention this, but my favorite scene in the movie actually is going to be when it's near the beginning of the movie, when he goes in to meet with, after he gets his hand stabbed in by the, uh, the Santa Claus and he, <laughs> they're asking him, how's his hand a little stiff, you know, uh, uh, but having him talk to the different police chiefs, uh, the different chiefs or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, you want to give us a call? And then, and then guy, Steve Coogan, uh, Martin, he talks to Martin Freeman first. And he's like, Oh, you want to get the, the next, the next boss up in line to call? Are, no you, problem. Sure? Go, go, go. Are you sure? <laughs> And then they call it, and then Steve Coogan comes in. He's like, oh, yeah, how's the hand? You know, and it goes to the Howell gag. And they're like, oh, you want to go even higher? Uh-huh. Okay, we'll call. And Nika walks through the door. It's Bill Nye. <laughs> it's awesome. He's like, we, there's, you're forgetting one important element. What's the team thinking about this? And then they're all just like, They're all just ready to send them off. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, congratulations. It's comedic timing. And the scene that follows after, not the uh, meeting his girlfriend with all the different people like, oh, what, what, what was it Bob that you're sleeping with? No, it's somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, Hello. Well, right next <laughs> Hello. <laughs> but then uh, the whole journey to the small town, carrying his little potted plant like on his lap on the, the train and everything. It's just brilliant because it, it tells so much in that little scene without having any, uh, any 
talking. Yeah. Really, you know? And, and that, those little comedic moments are classic Edgar Wright tropes for me. And I absolutely just freaking think it's amazing. Uh, any little, uh, what else really caught your eye on this before I introduce some cool topics so you can ponder? That, there was uh, we'll the, the scene, like, is just a joke. Like, it has no relevance whatsoever in terms of the story itself. But it's when Danny does the point break shooting at the air. There's absolutely <laughs> no reason. He's like, ah! Like, dramatizing it so much and i'm like bro this is so far from what the original scene man and it was so funny because you know he's just trying to be this super badass action hero and he he does it so well of just trying to be like yeah yeah <laughs> it's great they're trying to he's trying he's trying to live his point break bad boys too much yeah. and, and i love how they do play bad boys, bad bad boys too when they do that that spinning shot with them and uh yeah i love it they play so many tributes in this one uh, so when we talk about movies on our podcast the, the guys they do these a lot on their deep dive conversations which they have an mvp category who is the most valuable player a more valuable performance in this movie like if he was casted differently it, the movie would not nearly be as good oh uh, easily simon peg um Absolutely. i think I think with Simon Pegg's role, he's the straight guy. And I think playing the straight guy in anything with within comedy, because when you have a straight guy, he's usually the audience. He the, He's usually the person that the screenwriters want to attract to yeah. in this pretty insane world. And for example, I think Jim from The Office is a perfect example of this because we're supposed to be that person. We're supposed to be the normal person while these less normal things are going around us like when do we ever run into a town with no crime when do we ever run into a police department that literally doesn't do anything because there's nothing to do you know what i mean and i think simon peg plays him so well and even in the most bizarre moments even when he's having fun with the danny he's still that straight personality he's even making jokes but you can tell that he's letting his guard and defense down a little bit because he is genuinely having fun for a character who just lives by the books who lives by his job that's all he lives by and i think simon Pegg just understood this role so well because he had that connection with Nick Frost and Edgar Wright yeah. previously that I couldn't see anyone else being in this role. I don't know if you feel the same. No, I, I definitely do. I think he's perfectly cast in this role. And if I did, if I was, if you didn't even pick him, I was for sure going to pick Simon yeah. Pegg in this role here. Uh, if I had to throw at anybody else, I Jim Broadbent as this complete commissioner because he's so well-mannered it kind of resembles the town perfectly i kind of can't i don't want to picture anybody but him being in this role uh, i i don't know jim broadband is funny uh but uh, simon Pegg by far is the clear most valuable player in this movie like best performance i if anybody else if his role was switched out and he was a different character pr it, he still probably be really good in it but it's <laughs> simon Pegg, and he he's fantastic as his lead probably uh, out of the three the trilogy this is probably his best movie yeah, in. I agree. I agree. This is the best standout. So then we they also do a worst performance. Do you know who who would you your worst performance in the movie be? Man, this is a hard one because I think they're all really good. Um, if I had to like choose someone who 
I guess didn't do the best performance. I think it lends a little bit more to, oh, this guy's this guy's the villain, and you guys know it. Um, I forgot the actor's name, but he played like the head of the, uh, like Walmart or or Simon, uh, Simon Skinner, right? Yeah, Simon Skinner. Yeah, he played like the uh, CEO Timothy. or the owner. Yeah, Timothy the, Dalton himself, James Bond. Yeah, Timothy Dalton, dude. I I think it wasn't the acting. I think it was more so over the role. If I really had to say it, just because it's the role you know who who he's playing. Like that's the joke of the movie. Like he looks so villainous and evil that I feel like it really doesn't take too much, especially when Edgar Wright knows how to film it perfectly to make you feel like he's the villain and that's Mm -hmm. really all you need but i know it's for the joke so it's really hard to criticize it yeah but i i would say out of the weakest timothy dalton yeah that that's uh, he he would be my choice for a different category and i'll introduce that in a second but i think my worst performance is actually one of the police guys uh i can't remember exactly he was the one that uh i think it's people with the police he was the guy with the glasses i think that's who it is I'm, I'm thinking it's the guy with the glasses in the, one of the one of the police officers who always would come in and said, "Oh, you're this big fancy detective. Don't you know who it is? This is clearly an accident." I don't know. He, he, my wife clearly thought that was Bill Hader the whole time. And I was like, "No, I said that's not Bill Hader. It would be perfect if he got recasted as Bill Hader. I think that would, it would have been perfect." But for every reason, that's my least uh, performance. Um, and also, every uh, every review we all they always do. Who would Nicolas Cage play? in this if you had a recast who would nicholas cage play nicholas cage could easily play either um timothy dalton's role or the police commissioner one of the two i i would be totally down for either one of those or i i actually would uh, i wouldn't wouldn't be too bad matt i wouldn't be mad out if you played that crappy romeo actor the guy, oh my the guy god that gets his head go. oh my god that'd be so funny as the uh like a cameo see if he wanted to like do a cameo type thing that'd be a perfect role but if he wanted to be like in the movie i would definitely go with one of the other two. Oh, definitely but yeah if you're wanting you want like premiere like freak outs of nicholas cage you're, you're casting him as romeo in this movie yeah. i think yeah you're casting him as romeo yeah, yeah he is that suave personality there too uh Let's see. What's another category they like to do? They like to do the biggest douchebag in the movie. Who's the biggest douchebag in here? Man, dude, there's a lot of douchebags in this movie. And yeah. honestly, I think I'm going to go with Timothy Dalton again, bro. He, there you go. He's really the, I would say he's like uh, either Timothy Dalton or one of the Siamese twins as, as the police officers <laughs> that are, they're, dude, they're just, dicks throughout the entire movie i the only reason why i choose timothy dalton over the the uh, twins is because the twins do have like a change of heart by the end but dude timothy Dalton's just a prick throughout the entire film it's like you know he's being sarcastic about everything you know he's lying about everything he's telling you but he's just playing it so well you, you it's just making you question it but by the end and he like starts unraveling like i hate you uh, Nicholas Angel, and just gets his uh, jaw impaled. It's just like satisfying. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's why he probably is, he could be borderline one of the best and worst performances in this movie. Yeah, that's he's, what I'm he's saying. So fantastic. Just, yeah, it's so wild. Yeah, I, I biggest douchebag. Good call on the uh, the the Andes, the Andes uh, being there because they're they're pretty. Uh, they do have a change of heart, but I that they're in the running for sure. 
uh, I guess the other police in London, the police in London would think Nicholas Angel would be the biggest douchebag because yep. they're making everybody else look bad. Uh, I, I think also I'm going to go with the guy. Oh no, Bob is Joe Cornish was Bob. That was the girl that he, his, her, uh, his girl, Nicholas Angel's boyfriend or girlfriend was cheating on him with. Oh, that's who Bob is. That I just remember. Cause I, that's who I would say. The guy, biggest douchebag is the guy cheating with the Nicholas Angels girl. No, biggest douchebag for me would be Bob because he clearly just got revealed to be, oh, yeah, I'm sleeping with a girl. Hello. Just like, oh, yeah, get out of here, Bob. Get the hell out of here. Don't be no happy asshole. Yeah, exactly. What the hell? And that was Kate Blanchett, too, so I don't blame him. Oh, she's yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah. (laughs) Don't blame him. The next category is the biggest stick man, the guy who really just gets it in. He's he's the one you, you know you know that he's having some getting some action off camera. If that just, I'm trying not to say what it. No, do, you, do you understand the description? No, the, I think I understand it. He's like the playboy. He's the one that's totally having like all the relationships. Oh, he's having yeah, a lot of sex. It's the, it's the dude that played um Romeo. Yeah. Oh, I that guy. Name I forgot the character's name because bro, he literally had that chick by his side and like. A bunch of other women at that after party by his side. Absolute playboy. Yeah, there we go. That makes sense. I I would have borderline throw in a Skinner, Timothy Dalton's character in it, because he's by far like probably he's a good looking guy in that small town of no nobody. And uh you know, he's cocky and that lady's always in his office, like that one uh, yeah, she's always in his office. What are they doing in the manager's office all the time? They're probably they're managing. They're, they're ma- yeah, they're managing a situation here. Yeah. <laughs> they're filing some cabinets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. More innuendos. Insert your innuendo here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, moving on to our, we already talked about our best scene. How about any gripes in the film? I know this is one of your favorite ones. Is there anything like maybe like ah, ah, this always kind of bugged me here? Man, dude, it's hard, really. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't think I I would change anything about this movie, to be honest. I love every single second of it. I I have a gripe. Yeah, I'm curious. A guy guy who is so known for loving action movies, Point Break and, you know, Bad Boys 2 and having that big open movie, I would find it hard to believe that he he was not well-versed in Jackie Chan movies, that he did not know what Super Cop was. When he's in the supermarket looking at all his movies, he was he picked up Super Cop and then had no idea what it was. He's like, "Oh, this is pretty cool." Blah blah blah. I was like, "You you had to know what Super Cop was. He that's one of the, an action icon, and you love action movies." I doubt. I give him the other movie. I can't remember what the other movie's called. But we should have done a Terminator Terminator reference, like uh, an "I'll be back" reference would have fit perfectly in this movie. Yeah. So that's my little small gripe. He 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 should have known what Super Cop was. Like, come on. <laughs> It's obvious. Like, it's Jackie Chan crying out loud. Who doesn't know Jackie Chan? Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, come on, the tuxedo? Classic. No, I'm just Don't (laughs) don't watch the tuxedo with Jennifer Love Hewitt and Jackie Chan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Closing thoughts on Hot Fuzz. I know we're kind of talking about it and sharing our thoughts on it. What's, uh, if somebody has never seen the movie, why should they watch this movie? I think, like I said, in the introduction, this takes the cop genre or subgenre mm. and really twists it on its head. It's not your typical crime, crime cop thriller. It's not really even a thriller at all. It's, I think it's got the really good comedic moments. I think our two leads are 
perfectly matched together because of that that friendship they had previous and that's why i think without those two this movie probably would have crumbled um and edgar wright's editing style fits perfectly within this film and i think he knows that when he when he writes his movies he knows how he's gonna edit them and i think that that's how he incorporates it and for a movie that doesn't really seem all too violent at first this movie gets really violent yeah I, i would say after the halfway mark like people's chins are going through things someone's getting like a a piece of the church dropped on their head getting their gut spilled all over the place like the dude the movie's pretty fucking violent and has some really cool kills i'd like to say um i gotta i also gotta say to it it's got a pretty pretty memorable third act like i said going into the town square pop in all the old people because it's only the old people in the town that are the bad guys which seems pretty ironic like i said it turns your um your um typical violent thing of it being a younger person or something like that now it's all the older people they all got their shotguns within their little baskets and pistols on their bikes and stuff like pulling them out of places i'm pretty sure one of them pulls it out of their skirts too like they yeah, their yeah. Legs and pulls one out like in these most absurd places out of nowhere it turns into a warfare and we touched on it too i think the twist is really well done for a movie that you didn't really think would have a twist or a twist as big as that. And yeah, dude, I just think it's a fun, energetic movie along with some really good pacing. Uh, th- I was looking, this film's two hours long. You never even know. Yeah. I didn't even notice that. I, exactly. I, I mentioned a little, like little pacing thing. I thought, thought it was a little slow in the transition part where he yeah feels the reveal. Then going back to the town, I was like, uh, but then it goes by like that. And for two hours, I didn't even realize I was sitting there for two hours. It felt a lot shorter. And there's a cliche that I'm really glad he joked at. And it's when he, in the beginning, they look at their um, lockers to see like um, what they've taken in from crimes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And because it's a crime with no, or a town with no crime, they have nothing in, in the evidence lockers, but they go to like some dude's house. They find a fucking infantry of weapons, like <laughs> and stuff. Next thing you know, they got a whole like brigade of it in their pockets. And it goes to the thing like, where'd you get all these fucking we- weapons from, from the other films? So I thought yeah. that was a nice little subtle joke at those movies. Yeah. It's a, uh, I, it's such a fun movie. I, I'm so glad I rewatched it, and I'm so glad this is the first film that we're doing in our Edgar Wright journey because it. I appreciate this movie a lot more now, and I'm. This is actually one I don't own, so I'm gonna go f- try to find this on 4K Blu-ray or whatever the case may be, and I'm gonna add this to my collection because this one is one that I definitely want to rewatch because it is. And who knows? After doing this rewatch, it might actually move up in my ranking of Edgar Wright, and pretty damn excited. What was that? It definitely, it definitely will. Where is it? I have the 4K thing of it somewhere, but they, they have, for like twenty five dollars, I got this thing. Mm-hmm. 4K, all three trilogy movies. Oh, the court. Oh, there we go. Cause I don't have the World's End either. Yeah, so dude. I might as well. For like thirty bucks on like Amazon or Best Buy, you can buy them. It, nice. Oh. Okay. Perfect. So there great. we go. Got to get it. Uh, so in closing, uh, you know, I'm. I think this is definitely. Uh, awesome film and next month guys we're doing these once a month leading up to the last night of sahu i will actually have another uh loretto is actually coming on hey. and we're talking Shaun of the dead Shaun of the dead i know he loves Shaun of the dead so that's what we're talking about next really <laughs> excited for this series and really appreciate you being on here ryan and uh reviewing 
hot fuzz with me and talking about why we love this movie. So no, thank you so much, much for having me it. on, Adam. I appreciate coming on and having the time to come here and talk to you about one of the best Edgar Wright films in films of all time. There I mean, we go. So because you're here, might as well. What is your current ranking of all the Edgar Wright films while I have you here? Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Shaun of the Dead is number two. By the way, Hot uh, Baby Driver was his last film that he directed before Night right. in Soho. Um, then I would say Baby Driver, mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim, and World's End. But I love World's End at the same time. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people don't like it, but I love World's End. Nice. That's a good ranking. I have similar stuff. I won't reveal mine because I'll, I think I'm doing a video for it later because... You get what you do on these big giant <laughs> collaboration things. Uh, but yeah, Hot Fuzz, fantastic film. Love that. I, I'm glad that's number one on your list and I had to have you on talking about it. So much appreciated. In closing, where can we find you on YouTube and social media? Uh, you guys on Twitter, as per usual, just Ryan again, suit up geeks or the suit up geeks on Twitter and YouTube. Uh, we do drafts. We do a versus series. We take two movies. We compete them against each other. We do actual math. I know we're not in high school anymore and we still do math. Who the fuck does that? We do for you guys. That's all I got to say. And then I got my own personal channel on called the geek fix channel where I don't really post real videos. I just post my short films that I'm working on some skits and my, my weekly podcast where I just take a movie and I get a guest to come on, sit back, chill, relax, and just talk about it. Have a good discussion. So all his links will be in the show notes down below. Hopefully get, get have a fun conversation on one of his channels again soon. And um, you, if you guys are looking for us, we're not just the conversation doesn't end or doesn't stop when this, once this video is over, we are also a podcast. You could make sure you guys subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. This thing is not working. There we go. There's the there's the thing. Anyway, and um, also make sure you guys check out. We're starting uh, Edgar Wright Journey today. We're having a Spielberg Journey leading up to West Side Story as well. And I think this month is going to be Raiders of the Lost Ark with another guest. So stay tuned for a lot of fun content. And make sure you hit that subscribe button down below. Until next time, my name is Adam, and that that is that is Ryan. And we will see you. Bye guys. Bye.